Uh, that's the magic of radio. What's up, Dylan Scott? Morning zoos in the morning. <laughs> this is your 5 a.m. wake-up call. We got, uh, we got weather on the tens and twos. We got our man Scott Birdson on the weather. And he's always in the helicopter. And he ch- legally had to change his name to Birdson because he's yeah. in a heli- he he's got a helicopter. <laughs> Scott Birdson. It's morning WKRT radio. Haruga. With Doctor and the Animal. <laughs> doctor in the See, morning. I always, I always knew you had a, vo- a radio personality in you. Uh, I definitely, I could, I, I worked in radio, actually. What did you, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. You've done like every job. But. Yeah, I worked at National Public Radio in Michigan. Oh yeah, W U O M Michigan Radio. Wait, which was is that the one that that uh, Garrison Keeler did his shit out of? No, that was in Minnesota. Oh okay. Yeah, W U O M Michigan Radio, and I definitely, uh, I definitely worked with um, the opposite of w- normal radio people. I mean, NPR, they're they're really more just book people <laughs> that are given <laughs> that ideas. are given microphones. Right. I worked with uh, Michael. God, what was his name? He used to do the the daily like updates and reads and stuff. Michael, uh, Jordan. I can't remember. Nah, yeah, Michael Jordan, Michael Shermer. No, Michael. Shit, I worked with Tamar Charney. That she's like famous. Anybody listening in Michigan who's listening to Michigan radio is knows. that like local radio phenom personality? Tamar Charney uh, in Michigan. Christina Shockley. Oh, yeah. We used to work with, uh, yeah, just all these radio personality types, and they were very. I'm trying to think of the NPR Oklahoma stuff that uh, there's basically uh, the only real one is was Native American talk. Native American talk? It was talk? like Native talk, and it was just a half hour of like news about the Native American tribes, which uh, was all really boring to me. And they would cut out of like, wait, wait, don't tell me halfway into it just to... <laughs> Just to uh, play native talk. They record Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me here in Chicago. Oh, I know. Oh, yeah, I know. Because uh, half the time, uh, there are Chicago comedians that go on it. Yeah, uh, that's uh, I. That's how I met Adam um, Burke. Right, yeah, yeah, he's, he does it all. You met, were you at the Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Yeah, I've recorded. Gloria, my girlfriend, really likes going. Oh, yeah, no, it's a really fun show. I would love to go. I think... I want to bring my parents out here and yeah. like go to one when they're here. She really, she really likes it, and so we head out there like from time to time. Um, all right, this is the Madness Continues podcast. Oh, and... oh, okay, we started. <laughs> yeah, I uh, we were fucking around with these microphones for a little while first, and uh, I didn't record that. But as soon as we got kind of set up enough, I decided to start. Well, well then, just hit it. You know, naming off random. Uh, Michigan radio personality. It says what the what a really the, exciting way to start the pod. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought uh, uh, let's let's cater to the smallest percentage of audience I could possibly get. Well, uh, I always think that I I told Tyler I'm like our podcast is basically our parents. And that's, <laughs> I so my my podcast to... is not even my parents. Well, there you go. You get... I actually interviewed on the last episode of this podcast. I interviewed my dad for like two and a half hours. Oh hell yeah. And we we split it into two parts, and I released the first part last time, and we're gonna I'm gonna release the second part. I think the, not this week. I think what we'll release this episode. It, what dictated it being a two parter? It's just as long. It was just a long did interview. You like go through? Did you go through like a lot of deep personal like father son? Was it like cats in the cradle playing on loop as you were? <laughs> that song is so heavy. Yeah, man. Father and son is harder. Especially if you got a wait, wait. The harder song though is actually Father and Son by Cat Stevens. Yeah. 
that song like is so heavy. They played at the end of Gar- Guardians of the Galaxy two, uh, okay. and I like cried on the airplane when I was I was I watched it on an airplane because that's the one where his dad is like trying to kill everybody. Yeah, like in the whole universe, yeah, his yeah. dad is trying to kill everyone. I think I uh, I I was on like a like a weird like sleep medication when I saw Guardians of the Galaxy two, and I was like <laughs> seeing like all I was trying to catch up for. Uh, the most recent one, like watch all the ones I hadn't seen. Sure. So I was like four movies in and I like sleep deprived and on sleep aid. So like I kind of spaced out. Uh, oh. on you were wait, sleep deprived. When was this? Like a month and a half ago. Really? Why were you sleep deprived? I just was watch, staying up all night watching these uh, movies, these Marvel movies. I get it. Yeah. It, was, it was self-imposed. Also, but also I've, I, go days without sleeping because i have insomnia do you really yeah i didn't know that yeah oh yeah it's real bad i uh i was diagnosed in like high school and i've had it ever since jesus yeah and i've been on pretty much every i'm not on any sleeping pills right now but uh, i've been on pretty much every sleeping pill under the sun uh and like they've all had like super adverse effects on really oh yeah uh do you ever take lunestra oh yeah oh yeah on lunesta i uh i think it was lunesta where i got i woke up in the middle of the night thought that i was uh really hungry for popcorn so i got a uh bag of popcorn and opened it and put it in a pan and then turned it on the stove jesus and then went back to bed yeah and my roommates at the time found it like with the popcorn burning oh my god uh yeah um that's heavy yeah um what was the so terazepan i thought that my shoes were wet so when I woke up, all the shoes in the house were taped to the ceiling. To dry them off? Yeah. All, right. all well, of them were duct taped to the yeah, ceiling. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, Ambien was the best one because I... Yeah, that one... So I've had relatives on Ambien, mm-hmm. and they tell me stories about Do they how, say racist things? Uh, Maybe. I mean, they do that outside of being on Ambien. <laughs> well, see, that now you prove the Roseanne Barr thing, <laughs> that it wasn't Ambien. She was just racist. Oh, my God. Because I didn't do anything racist. I went to a party down the street. Uh, and then went back, went home. And the only way I knew about being at that party was somebody had, uh, put pictures of the party on Facebook the next day. And I saw pictures of a party. I did not remember. And you're like, at. I don't even remember going. To oh this yeah. Party. That was when I stopped taking Ambien. That That's was fucking college. scary. Oh yeah. It was real scary. It was I- my like Ambien driving, except it was like going to a party. So like I've had relatives on Ambien and they, they've said the same thing. Like they'll do things like put a suit on. And then go to the store. Oh yeah. And they'll buy stuff. And normally it's like nothing totally insane. It's like nothing. They won't buy like hundreds of dollars worth of something, but they'll go to the store and buy like thirty dollars worth of like you know toilet paper or, or something. I mean, I've I also like there's a weird thing with being on sleeping aids where you just like it lowers your inhibition for anything. So I'll I've gotten in trouble like texting people. Uh, that I did not remember texting. Really? Uh, yeah, but I haven't really been on anything like hardcore like that since college. Uh, yeah. Now I just like I try to do melatonin, and I try to like, and sometimes it d- works, and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, or I'll just you know stay up for two days. At do a you time. exercise very much? Um, I walk a bunch. Like I walk everywhere, but yeah. I don't. I I'm very opposed to working out. Um, yeah. What in general? Why? Yeah. Um, probably. Okay, there are two things. One, it's not very fun. Yeah. Uh. And I don't get people that say like runners high. And two, my mom is a big like my mom did triathlete or triathlons, and yeah. she teaches spinning classes. So like your mother in Oklahoma does uh, this. Oh yeah. Uh, and so 
Uh, I would have never guessed that in a hundred years. She's, she's run marathons and stuff like that. And that so, seems like a real un Oklahoma thing to do. I mean, no, because like it's uh, she was like a kinesiology. She got like a master's in kinesiology. Wow. Uh, yeah, and then became a nurse. Uh, and so she, well, growing up, would always do triathlons and stuff. And I think I like it's my weird like subconscious rebelling like, fuck you of, like, your mom's of, like healthy well, and lifestyle I, well and i'm just like it also like i've gone to gyms before and i don't enjoy it so yeah i think that what's weird about it is that i think that you have to by the way let me back up uh i guess today on madness <laughs> continues is dylan scott chicago-based comedian oklahoma good time boy good time boy that's what they call me in oklahoma yeah i um that's the name of your next special i think after all the sad stories yeah all the sad stories and good time boy <laughs> good time boy is actually a great i mean that's that's <laughs> when i just talk about all my uh prostitution that i've done nice uh I- that would be a fun i think good time boy actually is would be a great name for a, sh- a show for you i don't know if it works out for me i think other people it fits better because i'm really not that fun to be around so <laughs> a good time unless it's like one of those oxymoron kind of things like jumbo shrimp like yeah uh jumbo shrimp Buff. uh i hate shrimp what? actually what is wrong with you yeah i don't care for it mostly it, are you allergic to it no but every once in a while i'll have like a coconut shrimp or something that i like this is this is riveting no here's the thing this is I, riveting I, media I like right now because i eat I love seafood, like not fish, but I like oysters and I like sushi and I like any kind of shellfish, but I am poor and so I can never afford to eat, eat any, of any this stuff. kind of, yeah. uh, so like, well, so, so, so the, uh, let's talk to, so my audience is mostly in, uh, fictional, yeah. but, uh, the audience that I do have that does exist in real life come from uh, lots of a lot of indian listeners actually in india india cool and then uh i have some from kingston jamaica who like to listen isn't that weird that and you don't know these people these are just your listeners well i i a lot of people came to the pod from cora oh right, right right so there's a lot of like a lot of a lot of people on the pod from cora are in india some are in, I mean, Asia, APAC region, and then some are like Kingston, Jamaica, and then like I have a handful that listen from the Russian Russian Federation. It's insane. We look at like the breakdown of our podcast, and it's like, okay, I can know who's listening in Oklahoma. I know who's listening in Ohio, but who is uh, listening in Guadalajara? Like, yeah. how are they coming? What, what the fuck? Like, we got we got like. 14 listens in Singapore th- this week. And That's like, so weird. Like, oh, I hope that they enjoy us talking about Warp Tour or whatever we talked about. Yeah. What um so tell the audience about your podcast. Uh so me and my roommate who I feel like you have had on here recently. Tyler Ross. Yeah. yeah. Uh we we are committed to the bit comedy with our excuse me, with our uh third party Heather. We make up commit to the bit comedy. Uh and we have a podcast called Commit to the Bit Podcast, and it's just us fucking around. Yeah. I've been on that podcast, yeah. me and Alana Gordon. You have. Yeah. You have. It was, uh, you were on one of, the, <laughs> one of the first episodes. Yeah, one of the foundational episodes. Yeah. I like to think that we set the pace for the rest you of the You and Alana did, yeah. Um, so, Dylan, I've known you for a while. Mm-hmm. How did we meet? Uh, I met you, I think, in 2000 and... 14 i think okay because i went to i was living with dave metz uh not very far from here you moved to chicago you were living in chicago by then yeah i moved here in two th- early 2013 yeah so i was i came 
out here and I think I I either met you I'm trying to think. I I came out here early 2013 and went to Coles and I was hanging out with Dave Metz. Oh shit. That must be one of the three times I've ever been to Coles. And my, I I don't know if it was I might not have met you there then. Right. But I and then I but I did some other mics with Dave when I was out here in 2013 and then I came out again. I like kind of came out more per- semi permanently in uh, 2014, and I was living with Dave, and um, uh, he was at the time living with. Uh, he was around the corner on right next to Big and Littles, and he was living with uh, Joe McMahon. Okay, and that was some of the most fun I ever had ever. To be well, honest, well, because you have that like brand new city smell to you, and you like when I first moved here, I was just like. Oh man, no job. Saved up a bunch of money. Uh, big city. Gonna just hit mics every night of the week. Gonna hit like five mics a night. And yeah. Like, and then because you can stay out till three in the morning, four in the morning when you yeah. don't have a job. And um, I was well, I did have a job, but I was, I was working in the loop, and I just kind of could set my own hours. Mm. And I, I was living with Dave and Joe, and I, I was sleeping on a fucking mattress on the floor of their like crack uh den comedy comedy dream yeah flop house apartment mm-hmm. and um joe was and joe and dave were hilarious like just being around them was hilarious yeah you get that like fun like uh comedy slumber party comedy uh camp like summer camp. yeah and of, I, like uh, i was the only one who had any money because i had like a day job and so i could go buy beer and I would bring it back, and those guys would just get drunk and fucking do take whatever drugs they were doing at yeah. the time, and just would we would watch uh, John Taffer on Bar Rescue, yeah, and it was just amazing to listen to Joe and Dave riff mm-hmm. on that show, and uh, I actually I, I like I remember distinctly laughing so hard I was crying a lot because it was just so funny. And uh, no, but I met you during that period of time because I went to the bagel mic that was taking place. Oh then. shit! We and met you at CBA. And, you and Tyler were hosting it. Oh man, that was back when we were. Uh, that must have been in between our own mics. Uh, one of the fateful times that a bar has shut down uh, when we've been <laughs> running an open mic there. Uh, that, oh man, that was a while. I want. I recently there was a dude that used to host that. That was like this young kid that would go up and do poetry uh, oh, yeah. at the end and do like a six lo- page long poem at the end of a comedy oh open mic. Uh, and it was, it was hilarious. But it was also like, yeah, hell yeah, man. Like this is your time. Like do your, do, 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 do it. your, do, get into it, do your shit. Uh, but I forgot all about that mic or whatever until I went to a protest maybe six months ago. It was like a, like minimum wage for 15 yeah. uh, protest. And this dude, uh, comes up to me and he starts like handing me out pamphlets about like socialism and stuff. And then he's like, "Hey, did you ever used to go to a open mic at a uh, Chicago Bagel Authority?" That's so <laughs> funny. And he was like, "That was me. I ran that mic." And I'm like, "Cool. Uh, I don't oh, want yeah, your he flyer." Was the, he was but, that dude with the bandana, probably. Yeah, I was just like, "I don't want your flyer, but like, glad yeah, to see you're doing cool, cool. Glad to see you're doing something. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, that's. <laughs> but I remember that. Yeah, that was crazy. I. Because I didn't remember how, how we met. Because I figured, like, I didn't know that you... Yeah, I don't remember. I just remember us, like, 
always knowing each other. Yeah. I distinctly, and I should say this with a lot of love, but mm. I remember not liking you. Oh, yeah. I'm very, off, you. I'm very <laughs> off-putting. Oh, yeah. I've heard that before. The best, there's a funny story. You uh, were, because what happened was you and Tyler were hosting this, and you were, uh, you were, I want to hear the story in a second, yeah, by the way, no. but you were not taking it seriously at all. Oh, yeah. And... And we're hitting this air horn thing <laughs> during people's sets. Yes. And I was getting so mad because I was like, let's just continue this mic. Like, everybody, like, I want to get up. I've been mm. waiting for, like, all this time. Oh, like, yeah. I used to be a dick. Because... All this, like, new comedy. If you're new to the stand-up scene, like, just anywhere, but especially in Chicago, you get, just get you just get the shaft for, like, a year. Oh, yeah. And, here, and also the thing is, like, you wait at an open mic for two hours to get, oh, yeah. to get four minutes to tell like something you've worked hard on, uh, and to have a dick hole running it, yeah, uh, blare an air horn at inappropriate times of your set where you're talking about like, oh my girlfriend left me or yeah, like, and I'm just like, yeah, I I was a dick and I don't really do that at my mic. Actually, I've I've my own like trans my own like transformation into a better person has uh made it so like i get real like shitty to when people are even like on their laptops in the back of oh, mics yeah. and stuff it gets, now yeah it gets really like, annoying yeah at least my mic uh but you know we uh we used to run a uh mic with uh rachel mccartney yeah and uh it was me tyler and rachel and for whatever reason rachel like ran it with us and yeah was uh, uh but we would do that was like how we would for a while um we would that would be the light the, yeah the light to tell people when uh the, the they have a minute left would just be an air horn that's great uh, except everybody hated it ex- especially rachel that's so funny and, who ran the mic with right you? no um and that that bar is now a, a uh, condo <laughs> so. what bar was that it was Fizz Bar. Oh yeah. yeah, that's not. A- I tried to get a show going at Fizz Bar after we did. I mean, so much later because. Um, well, so we went and then left and then came back and then when we came back, one of our bartenders was like, "Hey, they just sold it to an apartment or to a condo place. Let me get you another bar to do a mic at." Oh my god. So that's, yeah, we've had the worst luck in running mics because uh, I had um uh f- uh. Faison, right? Mm-hmm. He was trying to talk to me. Oh, man, whatever happened to that I guy? Know, yeah, I man, know. he's gone. He's <laughs> so gone. He's another casualty of the Me Too movement. Uh, I, I will not lose sleep over that. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it was just so weird because, like, he's a guy who, uh, you know, I, I talk with, as much as he's bad, again, as much as he's bad-mouthed, Bill Batit, uh, I talk to him. How did I, wait, how long have we been... Doing your podcast and Bill Batiste came up. Who put their money on like half an hour? Yeah, right. <laughs> Don't even think we've been doing it that long. This is probably ten minutes, right. fifteen minutes in at best. Well, you gotta mention your boyfriend at some point. I know, right? <laughs> I kind of t- kind of talked about him. He's, you know, it just makes. It, I just like the way he makes me feel about myself. I know because you're a good person. <laughs> <laughs> you need those people. I'm I'm that person. I'm that person in some people's life where I you, people keep me around as a friend because uh, they make it, them make them feel better about, them feel themselves. better about themselves. No, I just like I'm I'm now transitioning from that asshole to just like well at least my life's not as bad as villains. You know? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. 
Uh, you don't have a bad life. No, I enjoy my life. I get to do dumb things every day of the week. Uh, some shitty things have happened to me. But... Yeah. But, well, so let's, okay, so the, the whole point of this really was um, I wanted to actually do this before you did your one-man show. Well, I'll be doing it. I'm, I'm in the process of doing it. Because, yeah, because you're doing it two more times. Right. I did it at the crowd uh, last week, yep. uh, which was really good. You were at. Um, and I'm doing it at a... Uh, place on the 21st of this month. Yep. Uh, I'm doing it at a place called Mom's Basement, which is a friend of mine's basement. Nice. That they've turned into a venue, which is really sweet and really comfortable um, and, like, really, like, earthy and stuff. They were the ones that gave me a free bottle of kombucha. So That's you, dope. So those kind of people. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I'll be recording it as an album in Oklahoma City on Friday, July 13th. Yeah, this is great. So, like, tell everybody, just tell tell the listeners, uh, all three of them, what, um, what, what it's about. Yeah, what's your show about and what, what the whole thing is. Oh, so basically it's a chronological order of all of the big uh, shitty things that have happened in my life <laughs> for the first 29 years of my life. Nice. Uh, starting, uh, starting with uh, being a... Uh, wrongfully put in to special ed classes when I was uh, in kindergarten to uh, getting arrested to uh, moving to Chicago to getting hit by a bus to <laughs> getting mugged to my partner at the time coming out as trans to them dying of a heroin overdose to my dad having a heart attack to homeless people taking pity on me, I think that covers chronologically <laughs> most through, of that, yeah, through the uh, through the whole thing, but it, it, in more detail. I think um, what I loved about the show is that so you I've heard some of those bits before, but some of them I had not heard. Mm-hmm. Well, and some some things are really hard to tell in a uh, in a open com- comedy open yeah. mic. You can't tell. I can't tell a five minute story about. Uh, going to <coughs> see Hamilton with my dead boyfriend's mom uh, in an open mic without unloading. I, I, oh my god! A bunch of I know it. it's just so. That's the that's the limitation of comedy is that it was kind of amazing actually to go see your show because you 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 have a talent for speaking about things that are really otherwise heavy and and honestly could could just they're not any of those things on their face if you were to tell a normal person a non comedian. The normal person would be like that. None of that sounds funny at all. Well, I'll tell you the worst part about it is like because I do do shows uh, and I try to take I try to like I don't go so heavy to ruin the show Mm -hmm. uh, because I feel like I have done that in the past. But uh, there are times where people will come up and be like after the show and I felt like really great because I like had a really good set. Uh, And there have been times when people have come up and they've been like, uh. I'm so sorry for your loss. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not what a comedian ever wants to hear yeah, after yeah, doing that's not, a set. That's not really what I'm going for. I'm like, <laughs> and so it's just like, it's like, oh, well, now I have to like jump from like really funny comedian into like sad boyfriend. Or oh, sad, my gosh. Grieving boyfriend mode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Well, you, you, and you had hit some punchlines that were so funny like during the show and like you managed to keep it like very. Like you're, you clearly like, and I think the thing that, that comes through about it is that, you know, I mean, having lost people myself and I, I know that there's a part of you that kind of never really, you can't, can't really, you carry it with you. Can't, can't move on from it in this sort of way, but you clearly have done a lot of work because you didn't talk about these things with this heavy feeling of like, 
I'm, I'm, I need something from this crowd. You're almost like I'm sharing with you the things I worked through to help me get beyond this stuff or to help me like cope with this as it, as I've, as I've wrestled with well, it. Well, and I, I think it's, it, it, there's a, there's a weird thing and a, tra- a weird like change in my comedy that has like taken place, uh, since, uh, and it's been like a very big process since, uh, having your partner, come out to you as trans and like yeah. working through that stuff. I can't really go back to just doing really dumb generic observation jokes when I have this like big thing weighing on me that like is very unique and very, and I like my default is going to a place of trying to find humor yeah. in it. Uh, and it, just the next transition after that, after he died, like I have, there was like a good, three days where I was like, well, that's it. I'm never going to be funny again. Yeah. And then I made an off hand joke, uh, that was very un, un, it was very not appropriate for the setting. What was uh, the joke? So, um, my, so Adrian died and then like friends were like comforting me and saying like, we're here for you if you need anything. Uh, we'll take care of you. And I was like, oh, like we all took care of him. Oh, shit. And then the <laughs> room got silent. Oh, my God. That's and then that's hilarious. And then everybody started laughing. Yeah, and it was yeah. like it was like here. That is like the beginning of when like I knew that it was going to be like not OK, but I knew that like I was going to find that moment of yeah. getting back to a some a, kind a, of normalcy. And then we were running a show at the time and he died on a Wednesday and uh, he, he died on a Wednesday Uh, that weekend was just a big blur. Yeah. And we had our show the next Tuesday Uh, and I, Tyler and I had sat down and we're like, he was like, don't rush back. Like I'll take care of it. It'll be fine. Uh, And he was hosting and we had our headliner got stuck at Zany's and had to drop out. Yeah. Like, 10 minutes before they were supposed to go on shit. And Tyler was like, what, uh, what do you you think we should do? Should we try to find somebody uh, else? And I was like, this is really like a trial by fire kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so I need to like, cause there's, there's going to be no good time for me to get back up on stage after this. Yeah. So like, I was just like, fuck it. And I did not have a great set. I had a okay set. I didn't, I kind of like, compartmentalized everything sure uh, but i was able to like get through that and i was like okay well now i know that i can be on stage again. on stage again yeah so it's like one of those things where it's like it doesn't become normal but you see you kind of like get back to like okay there's something that i can do again yeah i can go back to work again i can like slowly chip away at getting like parts of my life back after this horrible thing happens to yeah you. well it's so interesting too i think because comedy comedy is kind of a great um a great, uh, what do I want to say? Like a great school for teaching this dealing with loss or dealing with recovery in a way, because you, you know, some of the biggest lessons you take away are just like, okay, I I have this really great, I mean the the process of doing comedy, of doing standup is like you write all this stuff and you think, okay, this shit's going to be great. And then you get on stage, none of it works. You go to a whole bunch of different mics, none of it works. You continuously get the feedback that you're not funny, that you're not like, mm-hmm. and this grind that you go through is almost crazy because it's it's strange because people have, you know, non-comedians who I work with 
have asked me, they're like, well, what do you do when you bomb? And you're like, you just fucking move on. You turn like, over and you uh, you say, oh, that sucks. And then you and move, then you move on. But here's the thing. Yeah. That gets so much easier to do the longer you've been doing it, too. Yeah. Because, like, a, I don't even know what, like, a bad bomb, like, I don't even think it, like, affects me anymore because I know, like, I, I at least have a calendar of, like, other things that yeah, I have to look forward to. Yeah, you have so much other to. stuff that you have going I have on. things to look forward to. And, and it, it's and also I, like you it, just, because that's the lesson, though, is that you're like, I've, I've survived this. Right. I've survived other shit. And also, it makes it, like, it, embracing the bomb, definitely, like, it makes it so, like, you realize, like, it's less, oh, I can't believe that. It's like, why did that happen? And, like, yeah. and figuring out how to make that not happen again. What was the worst? Uh, not to tw- switch no, topics too we'll hard, but what's the forth. worst that you? Wh- what's the worst you've ever bombed? Oh, it might have been that show that I was hosting in Edinburgh. Oh shit! Really? Yeah. <laughs> um. So Dylan came out for two weeks, basically. Yeah, thirteen days, and most of the shows were really good. Were you on the show when I was hosting that? I, I don't think I was. Yeah. Oh man, it was horrible because I was hanging out all day with our uh, English friends. Yeah. Um, Adele and. Uh, no, I was hanging out with Elliot, Elliot, and, and Elliot. Elliot and Rob, and Sierra. Yeah. And, like, there was some joke that like killed with them that i told that yeah I, that was we were goofing around and i told like it was some it was really like unbecoming joke about like uh like genital mutilation oh my god yeah uh, they don't want to hear about that shit and well <laughs> but <laughs> these but these british comics were just like oh my god that's so funny you need to tell that on and stage, stage. You, oh that's so and so i was like okay and of course none of them were at the show of course uh, and i was hosting and that joke is not a good joke and now no and i knew it wasn't a good joke at the time but i yep. was like so like pumped up on other people's <laughs> bullshit uh and i told it and oh the rest of the show was like other comics having to dig themselves out, out of, of that me. oh you just made that room so cold yeah, that's yeah. the most recent they, they the british are so that that edinburgh was so unique because the the audience it was kind of like you never got a good bead on exactly what the audiences were going to be. Right. And what's so strange is, especially the Chicago Comedy Showcase, mm-hmm. was odd because half the audience would be American, we the other half would of, be British. Yeah, we would get a lot of Americans that were like, okay, I've been over here. Like, I need to see something, like, American-related. Yeah, and they were, they were, and it was so strange to see because every time it would be like the Americans would love it, they'd laugh, everything would be great. And then, like, the British would be typically British and not laugh and just sit back and... The whole thing was just very unique, I think, in that they they were they were very stoic and distant, and but, they had they just have a different sense of humor. But I would say that was like a very good like experience for my process that I was going through because I spent that whole summer just like out on the road and and in another yeah. in other countries and stuff like just trying to like basically avoiding being in Chicago where my real life was. Yeah, uh, just like kind of like processing like all the shitty stuff that was happening. Uh, and it was really good to like do that, and even bombing felt good because it it was like something. It was like the the feeling, and not the the inertia of yeah. of just like sitting in my own like sorrow. Because yeah. because like 
I would take a bomb over a bomb does not cause depression. No, yeah. Like, like a bomb. It's something. Yeah, it's yeah. some feeling. And and also And you yeah. can and you, and you can take that momentum and do something with it. You can push against it, you can roll with it. Right. As long as you don't kind of just lay over. And and if you've been mired in like sorrow. Well, that's the thing. Like it's something it, you that actually of, shocks you your system. Realize, like and when you're when you're first when you're doing comedy for the first like 5 years or whatever and like you live breathe comedy and you don't have a real life yeah a bomb is like the worst thing that could happen to you because you don't have uh relationships with people and you don't have family (laughs) and you don't have jobs that you like care about and stuff like that like you have like yeah a bomb's gonna be the worst thing when comedy is like the number one thing in your life uh but it once you get perspective i feel like it's you don't take it as seriously yeah no that i can i i totally agree like it's uh it's it's just fascinating to me. I I feel like uh you had a real you really kind of came into your own I thought in Edinburgh and uh you know again as uh uh as nast as a as nasty of, of a woman as she is William Petit actually said some really <laughs> wonderful things about you. Well, he's a sweet boy when he's not on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh but no, I I I do. I feel like cuz I needed that like whenever we do whenever we tour and whenever I get to do things like uh, like the Fringe Fest, uh, you grow like because you're a able, lot. You're and you're able to like take more risks because it, there's there is kind of a who cares? I'm in a different country or who cares? I'm not going to be in Bismarck, North Dakota yeah, again. I'm not going. Yeah, and I'm like, doing a show tomorrow again anyway. Right, exactly. If you if you got 30 days of shows lined up. Uh, you kind of are able to allow yourself to take more risks and have more fun with I it. I mean, I my return to Chicago after doing Edinburgh was unique because it was exactly that kind of thing. Like, I, I, I remember being like, you know what? I don't even give a shit what these audiences throw at me in Chicago anymore. I don't care what you think. I don't give a shit about tr- saying something that you don't like or I don't or, or you don't think is funny. Like, it just, I, I felt so grounded. And it wasn't, like, adversarial. It sounds like I'm making it out to be that way. But it was more like... You just got so used to having a certain kind of energy that you're mm-hmm. like, I've dealt with so much stuff. Right. I kind of don't care how this is going to go anymore. Well, and we we kind of do the same thing. It's like when we, Tyler and I, feel like we are getting slighted on getting booked on things, aren't uh, aren't having fun with comedy in Chicago. It's like, okay, that's the time for us to start planning another tour. Yeah, that's it's exactly. Getting you guys are city. really and you guys are really good at that. Like I was talking with Tyler on this pod about just how much like I think it was inspiring for me to see you guys being like, you know what? We're just going to go build our own and do our own thing and set put together your own tours and put together shows and then actually go and do it and like pull other comedians with you. Well, Tyler has and I I hope he doesn't listen to this because I never like to compliment him uh, to his <laughs> face. Uh, but he has better work ethic on stuff like yeah. like planning stuff than any than than the majority of comics. And that's kind of like I'm, it's kind of pulling me up with it because I'm like a generic comic that doesn't like to call people on the phone and stuff like that but uh no and and that's kind of the thing it's like when we are we don't want to be the kind of people that are just like oh fuck that show they're not booking me it's more just like okay fuck that show but we're gonna yeah go on a week-long trip to dc and back yeah and do shows that way or we're gonna do some apartment complex shows or we're going to do this, that, and the other just to like keep our, cause when you're busy, 
when you're busy doing your own shit, you're not going to complain about, or you're not even going to think about the stuff that you're not getting. Yeah, it's weird because the more I haven't been, uh, I've been doing nothing but only festivals yeah. and shows in the last like really since April. Yeah. Um, and and I've been back and forth. I mean, March was a totally insane month. I was back and forth to New York. I was in, um, I was in Iceland, uh, and then in April I was back and forth to New York again, and then I was in. Uh, the UK and doing three shows and like it's just so weird and since then I've gotten back and had all these projects that I'm working yeah. on outside of comedy like the TV pilot stuff is like mm. doing really well I'll have to do an update to the podcast where I, I'm just talking about how that's going because it's, it's going really well and um, it it's just kind of crazy how this is all like kind of working out and no, so it, it shows that like if you like if you're not just bitching about stand up yeah. And you're not just like complaining that like you're not getting on shows and you're actually like putting effort into other things. It's like, oh no, like I don't have to worry about that because like I've got I'm busy myself with other things. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because like you and maybe people listening can take this to whatever they're doing in their own life, but if you find like you're frustrated, you just start doing stuff outside of the thing that you're frustrated at. It's amazing how little that starts to matter to you. Oh, and yeah. then, like, I can just back in. I mean, like, I'm, I'm just getting back into doing Chicago comedy again soon, like, because I've, I've, I've started hitting a lot mm -hmm. of these projects and, like, they're starting to finish and wrap up and yeah. or move into other stages where I don't have to have so much daily attention to them. And, and that has enabled me now to get back into doing stand-up. And I, it's fascinating for me to see, like, what that transition is going to be like because... The scene's moved on a little bit. I haven't, like, been involved with it as much, but, like, I've done so much of this other stuff. And, like, I think this is interesting to me because you you, you ended up... Whoops. God damn it. Uh, you ended up... I just knocked this chair that all of our equipment is on. Uh, you really are doing the same kind of thing, and I think it was you and Tyler that kind of inspired me to try to start doing that stuff. And you doing this, your own show, and now having other right. dates for your own show. Well, and not to not to do a, a jerk-off, turn this into a jerk-off fest, but uh, <laughs> but honestly, like, I, there are a couple of different one-person shows that I was like, that kind of, like, led me to be like, oh, I can actually, like, put up a one-man show and not make it, like, a stupid, self-indulgent, like, uh, jerk off fest and one was uh, Jamie Shriners yeah uh, one woman show that I saw that was phenomenal uh, the other was Jonathan Giuseppe's yeah one man show which that was, was great. he did a great job crazy good yeah. both of those crazy good and then the other the third one was when you did yours in uh, Scotland and did it and it was like I got it was basically uh, 45 minutes of stand up and yeah. I was like that can be a I don't have to try to break my own comfort zone yeah uh doing I, I can tell more stories but also throw some stand-up in there that that was that was a, a unique moment for me because i was pretty sure i had 45 minutes of material mm -hmm. and I, it was just strange to me because getting up and doing it broke like a psychological barrier oh no, yeah no i last week what that i know exactly what you're talking about the fact that like you get up and you do it and you're like okay i now have that material flushed out to where if somebody's like hey i need you to headline this and do 45 minutes it's like done i can do it yeah and that's that is you break that when you do 15 for the first time you break that yeah. when you do 20 for the first time you break that when you do an hour like i think that those are like things that you're like whoa like and 
I didn't feel like a lull in it. I felt like it was all pretty strong. And no, it was like, all super strong. And you were, if anything, you could have slowed down. You right. could have played a little bit more. Well, and, like, and, I, and, I, and you just you got up and delivered all this material like it was like like it was it was coming straight out. And it was great because the it, it didn't let up. Like it was relentless. Well, and that's the thing because I always thought one one man shows needed to be like more than just talking. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it was it's my fucking show, so I can do it how yeah, I want. Yeah, and it was kind of the same thing. Like when I was in Edinburgh, like I didn't really, I kind of decided part of me doing it was I was like, I'm just gonna go figure out what this is gonna be. Yeah. And at the end of the month, I was like, shit, I can get up and do 45 to an hour, and it's not scary. And also the, the because the other thing that's weird about it. And, go ahead, and sorry. Your, and your 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 material probably changed a, a whole lot in a that ton, month, a ton. And, yeah. And that's also that means you could probably have done. An hour and a half and yeah. stuff like that. Because, like, you get material as you're doing it. Like, I now have, like, tweaks that I want to do between now, last week, and when I'm doing it in two weeks. And it's it's interesting, too, because, like, you you start to notice... Um, you start to notice places that you can change your material. And you also start to notice, like, things that you do differently that you you wouldn't do if you're only doing shorter sets. Mm-hmm. And, and the... The thing is, like people, people. The reason I started doing this is like, I mean, pulling the trigger on Edinburgh and like wanting to go up and do the longer set when I did on Bookable, like the year and some change earlier, yeah. was I was like, you nobody's gonna give you the opportunity to just be like, hey, let's headline the show, like because if they wanted to do that, they would have already done it themselves. And like that's they, what it takes a while, and that's what I'm starting to realize, and yeah. I have a really bad time doing that. It's like realizing there is no like gatekeeper of like telling you to to do something or not do something like yeah i have a very hard time being like no like i why can't i do yeah rather than because my go-to is like oh no i gotta wait for somebody to like allow me to do this yeah like there's you have to give yourself permission to go and do this stuff and it actually is kind of scary i think to do that because it feels like you someone should go oh you're good enough now but i think also like part of it was like once you like go through real life shit outside of comedy you're like this doesn't matter anymore like, fuck it i yeah. do not ca-. like that and that really there was something i would never have wanted to go i would never have wanted my boyfriend to die um and i i still like grapple with like the loss uh on a almost daily basis uh but it there's something weirdly liberating about your life falling apart in one aspect yep. because it made me not give a shit or take no for an answer, I guess, anymore yeah. with the stuff that I wanted to do in comedy. It's more just like now find a way to like do it. And also like for the first six months afterwards, I just like threw myself into comedy. Yeah. Like, and own, like back to when we were talking about uh, like eat, breathe, sleep comedy. Uh, this was super unhealthy of me because like <laughs> because i was projecting i was like throwing myself and i was doing like i was living like a fucking 19 year old that just yeah. went to the city yeah uh just to not deal with like the the shit yeah so. but i mean like it you y- y- you have to work through it somehow and there's certainly worse ways to do it i mean and... i did it t- i did those too I yeah did, <laughs> i did i did i did it all i did the self-medicating <laughs> I did the going out till 4 a.m. bars like I did. I, I could. My next one's just going to be about uh, about my six months after my boyfriend died and all the 
4 a.m. All the 4 a.m. bars I stumbled out of. Oh my uh, gosh, man! Or the the or the gas station across the street from me. How I sold them out of rose wine and. They ended up getting boxes of rosé because I requested them. Um, oh my gosh, <laughs> Jesus, Dylan. Yeah, uh, but, but I mean, like, but here you are. You work through it, and I mean, it's like and I'm I, still, I'm still working through it. I, I fuck up all the time, and uh, and I still like, but also like that's a part of like, that's gonna be how it is. Like, yeah, I mean, like I think again, we've talked about this, and it's not the same thing. But you know, my when my cousin died, it fucked my life up for a year, oh, yeah. and I wasn't having sex with him. Yeah, you should be though. <laughs> Hey, if I can if I can advocate anything, it's the love between cousins. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> anyway, you were you yeah. were gonna say something really sentimental. Yeah. No, I was just saying it took me a year to even recognize that I wasn't over his death and all the kind of things that that had meant in my life. And then it and then it took me uh, almost another year and a half to almost even. Yeah, two years. Jesus. Now that I'm thinking about it, year and a half easy to like uh, get to a point where I was kind of like stable and steady and yeah. like ready to like and had gotten back on my feet and had some direction. And I mean, like that, I mean, that was just a lot, you that, know. That my, my two saving graces in all of this were that I uh, did comedy and I've had a and I can think of things through a I, I don't know how people handle tragedy and and trauma without having a comedic mind. I don't yeah. know how like insurance salesmen handle like <laughs> the, handle a divorce. Like yeah. I wouldn't know how. Yeah. Uh, or I, an accountant handles the loss of a partner. Right. Because yeah. I, I can't be the only person who has ever had their partner transition because yeah. I know it happens. Yeah. Uh, and I can't be the only person who has had a partner tragically die. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know how fucking Larry, the guy that like, packs my groceries i don't know is that a thing that people are doing yeah i'm trying to think of random jo- i can't yeah like a, the construction worker yeah i can't imagine when his wife suddenly dies how he fucking deals with it because like without the outlet of comedy yeah i don't know that's such a good it's such a good point man because i feel like a lot of those guys they drink oh yeah they like you know they the people have to find something because you have to channel that energy into something well, and like you know, and I think you've channeled it into something that's not only yeah, hilarious. My, dr- my drinking, yeah. yeah you're dr- <laughs> I was because you've channeled it into the the show, which is hilarious, and I think actually helpful. Like people in the, and I think that your ability to perform in a way that isn't, coll- you're not collapsing under the weight of this stuff, and you're trying to ride this emotional wave of sorrow. You're trying to surf it. Well, and, and it's all it's all part of me trying to like look for the way out too. like i yeah i and you know this like i will talk about this shit way too much ad nauseum and way too in detail yeah to anybody that will listen and that is like something that like i i don't know i and i've talked to other people who have lost partners and stuff uh and like yeah you it's all you want to talk about it's all you want to mm. think about mm. uh and you have to like you know, maybe this isn't the thing that I bring up on a first date. You know, uh, <laughs> or or maybe oh, this this needs to, to say this dip. needs to wait for my therapy yeah. appointment and not at a company function. Yeah, <laughs> not to so. the kids that you're right. Not, I, I can't bring up death to the uh, to the to the three to the third graders that I'm working That's with. So funny. Uh, we're running up on time, man. Oh, you're not gonna give me a two-parter uh. like your dad. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We, you can come back. I'll come back when I need to. When I when when the next time you lose a partner. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I'm lo- 
I'm looking. I, they're they're calling me the Black Widow of Chicago comedy. So, oh boy, man. Uh, well, say where can the listeners uh, get at you and find you, and then where, we talk about the again the next shows that you have coming up. Okay. Um. Well, tomorrow I'll be at Milwaukee Pride. Nice. I'm doing a show in Milwaukee. My Will friend, you really? Yeah, I'm doing a show in Milwaukee tomorrow for Pride Week. There. That's gonna. Who's? Are you recording that one? Uh, no. I'm no. doing it at like an art gallery. That space. sounds like a blast, actually. Yeah, it, uh, it's my first time ever in Milwaukee. I'm taking a uh, mega bus up there. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Oh, and goodness. Then, and then uh, I'm, what else going on? Commit to the bit bullshit going on all the time. Uh, I'm doing a pride show here. That's the cool thing about uh, being, oh, we didn't even get into my like weird sexuality stuff. Yeah, so, no, uh, that'll be the second part of this yeah. episode. So we, uh, but I'm doing, uh, you know, got to get all those queer bookings for the pride as you can. I'm doing, yeah. doing a pride show on actual uh the 24th or whenever the parade, the parade is. is yeah. yeah uh so that and then we'll be to commit to the bit we'll be touring all summer we're going uh to all over we're missouri oklahoma texas tennessee uh montreal all over the place this dude summer. that's so, nice yeah no it's it's gonna it's good we uh i'm also looking for somebody to sublet my apartment in july if nice anybody. if you need to sublet yeah. uh an apartment that is not filled with bed bugs nope, wink, not wink, anymore wink. not anymore nice oh yeah see and i don't even like bring up the bed bugs in my in my uh <laughs> material show. that's gonna be i see you're making me think all well, these are the ideas all the sad, that's why i do this podcast all the sad stories too um electric boogaloo all the sadder sad stories too sadder sadder or sadder um so when's the next just with all the sad stories and when is the next two shows uh, on that all the sad stories is mom's at mom's basement on the 21st of july june 21st of june uh, mom's face. I'm see this one probably about i need tyler here because i cannot yeah, promote <laughs> myself for the life of me yeah uh so the 21st of june uh, then my album recording, if anybody is in Oklahoma City, nice. Uh, it is July 13th. There's two recordings, one at 8 and one at 10, and that's at the Tower Theater. Dude, that's awesome. No, it's going to be it's gonna be kick-ass. I'll, this is like a dream to like do this place because it's like this was like an abandoned theater in Oklahoma City that was like uh, my entire childhood was abandoned. And yeah. then like last year they like revamped it and put like $2 million renovating it. Dude. And it's like super badass spot. Well, I'm stoked for it. Thanks for dropping by. Dylan yeah, Scott. Word.